1: Week 18 is in the books. We know exactly how the NFL playoffs are going to set up here from this point forth. We don't know the outcomes. We know all the the seedings and the 14 teams that have made it in. So it's going to be an exciting couple of weeks here as we head towards the Super Bowl to see who can win it all. But Week 18 had some very entertaining moments, some heartbreaking moments, Sean, for me. And it didn't even feel like heartbreak. It felt like the inevitable had just found its way back to fruition. I joked with the Packers. I was all the way out when they were on their losing streak i thought yeah, the other season is done and dusted i'll not get my hopes up moving forward then they get back to this week seven or week 18 win and end scenario versus the detroit lions in a situation then where because the seahawks had won the lions could just play spoiler but the packers they were spoiled by the detroit lions in this one and uh you know we've talked a lot about the lions i know sean is a lions fan and i think the lions were just a better team on the night so we're going to start off with that one sean we don't want to get off on the sad side of things with me moping about the Green Bay Packers. So let's give it give me it. What is the the positive takeaway here for the Detroit Lions, even though it doesn't get them into the playoffs? A, a fantastic season as a, a whole I think we have to look back on and especially based on where they were at the mid season point and, and how they fought back for their head coach Dan Campbell and, and what it means moving forward here. And a game where we we like jameson Williams Sean and during the game I was grateful that this play was called back. But jameson williams has a, a deep touchdown completion and rush to the end zone in this one as well so a little bright spot there for for
2: 2023 yeah he looks like you looked in college which is somebody you can't stay with he had the, the score It obviously got called back. They also had an interception, got called back. Both of those plays were... I mean, those are probably the two biggest plays in the game for the Lions. They lose both of them. They're both a the correct call. The thing that you, you know, are lamenting as a Lions fan is that they're the correct call and they might not have really impacted the play, although the holding that wiped out Williams' touchdown was one of the most flagrant holdings you'll ever see. It's <laughs> kind of a question of, you know, is it in fact something that influenced the play? You have some of these plays where there's a very legitimate penalty and yet at the same time it's still a positive note for the team or could have been a big play the fact that he's able to do that he has another play a little bit later where he easily beats the safety deep for a touchdown and jared goff throws the ball away underneath and he's frustrated now when you basically haven't caught any nfl passes yet you want to keep that frustration a little more to yourself but he was wide open for a touchdown on that play He's someone who looks like, and then later in the game, he his one target that counts as an official target in the game book, he drops. And so, you know, it, it's a little bit of a mixed bag. But ah, if Goff can find him, and the one thing that we still are kind of questioning here with Goff is, I mean, can he unlock these guys as actual stars? What we watched with Amandra St. Brown is that this sort of intermediate underneath threat, he can, I mean, he can hit. And Amon Ra was limited again in this game. Amon Ra, a little bit of a slow finish. It'll be interesting to see how much that impacts his offseason price, especially when you consider that Jamison Williams is going to be a big factor in next year's offense. So now you're kind of looking at this, not in an identical way, but you're going to have a little bit of the same element that you have with Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell. How much can they both score? How high power does the offense actually have to be? The thing that you have with Jamar Chase and T. Higgins, the thing that you have with A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith. Now, one of the things that this year proved is that both guys can score. I don't think that that was necessarily the question. It's a matter of how much are you willing to pay? And especially in the situation with the Lions, how much are you willing to pay with Jerry Goff? He had a fantastic season. So many of the numbers support that. We talked on the show last week about how they're high scoring and he's limited both sacks and interceptions. I mean, those are really the three things. The the fourth thing would still be kind of that that big play, carry your team as opposed to have the team somewhat carry you dynamic and being able to make that deep throw would be part of it. Jamison Williams was open for a 50-yard touchdown earlier this season. I mean, wide open, and Goff underthrows it by three or four yards, barely allowing the defensive back to get back and get his hand in there. So uh, you can only lose so many of those in the course of a season without it really impacting what you do especially if what you do is your dynamic deep threat well, this game was encouraging for the lions we got to see i mean jamal williams has not been the player that we're rooting for in that backfield but he shredded the packers in this game we got to see deandre swift make a couple of big plays we got to see this crazy play call at the end
1: he broke barry sanders single season russian touchdowns record for the, the detroit which is lions. gross
2: that's gross i mean
1: and that that, tra- that, that play at the end as well um yeah, obviously I didn't want to see it as a Packers fan, but it takes guts to call it, and you know the Lions are here to have have some fun. They had a couple of plays during the game. Uh, that one that was called back for the holding penalty actually on that touchdown was kind of a not quite a flea flicker, but a, a play of similar designs where you know the running back throws it back to the quarterback and it goes deep. So the Lions were were there to have some fun in this one and and continue to go for it in fourth down and and pretty much continue to get rewarded for going on it. You know, keep 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 trying to push forward.
2: They did. And on the other side of the ball, Christian Watson, just absolutely electric. Obviously there are going to be questions now about what the coaching, not the coaching situation, the quarterback situation is here. Aaron Rodgers didn't really play that strong of a game outside of a few of these passes to Watson, but Watson, I mean, he was for five and 104 in a game where, I mean, it didn't even really feel like he did that much. He has a 45 yard reception, but again, I mean, Spectacular as well. That 45 yard reception, spectacular. I mean, he could easily have multiple 200 yard games next year. He looks unbelievable. The flip side of that, Romeo Dobbs, two targets. The first one, another one of these where he and Aaron Rodgers are just not quite there. It is a a key play to extend a drive. Aaron Rodgers throws it at his knees. You want that pass to be on the receiver. If it's not, you want the receiver to make the catch. Both of the guys have to do a little bit better there. Then later, he has a potentially longer play, just a gorgeous pass, probably Aaron Rodgers' best pass of the night. The angles that they showed, it wasn't clear if the defensive back had perhaps grazed it and that led to the miss. But if you're a Packers fan, if you're a Dobbs fan, those two plays, pretty heartbreaking. We got another game here where, I mean, you could argue that they ran the ball too much, but basically... I mean, you've got to score more than 16 points against the Detroit Lions. You've got to throw more than 27 times. You've got to play with some urgency. This is a, a good Packers team, and this is a big win for the Lions on the road. The Packers just never fully embraced being this dynamic Super Bowl-caliber team, really, under this coaching staff and with Aaron Rodgers at the end of his career. I think you want to put a little bit more of your stamp on this game do the kinds of things that we're seeing with the chiefs and the bills and the Bengals. i mean the argument would just be the packers aren't quite that good but as a rising team with aaron Rodgers as your qb in what you've done the past several years where you know you're top seed in the nfc and then don't do it uh, again I, you just you want to see I mean, you're gonna have some narrative and there are just a handful of games really that we're talking about but in that small handful of games where the Packers did not seize the day I mean you just want to see more from your head coach and from your franchise quarterback
1: yeah I would agree and it just this was a season that a lot of things didn't click in and and in the past seasons obviously we had back-to-back 13 and three seasons there for the Packers where the expectation was to get to the Super Bowl to win the Super Bowl this year it never really felt that way It'll be interesting to see how they go moving forward with the way they've managed the salary cap to really leverage it for the last two seasons and obviously that hasn't worked out and they may have to to live with that for a little bit of time but this was a game where last week they get the big win against the Vikings everything falls their way the kick returns go their way you know fumbles fall their way this one we have Aaron Jones with a fumble just before halftime was a a really tough one and then obviously rogers had the interception late where he's trying to force that ball down field but i do think credit has to go here to the, the lions defense i know we touched on that on the preview show last week sean but uh hutchinson as well as a number of the the other players had had big games here and you mentioned then Kind of some of the trickery and some of the play that they, they went for I mentioned the fourth downs I think they they came to play maybe that was a little bit of the the freedom they had from you know not having the pressure of making it to the I know they don't want this and they didn't want it at the time but the the pressure of you know winning into the playoffs they played a little bit looser but big win for the Lions and it's really not great for Packers but good for Detroit Lions fans and good for ever, fans of the NFL as we see This offense, this team progressing because they have had their their down years, which we referenced in the last couple of shows as well, Sean. So, a big one here for them. I want to go, Sean, to not playoff implications next, but I want to go to a game which baffled me beyond belief at a number of times. That was Texans and the Colts. We have a situation here where the Houston Texans get a win 32 31, and the the shootout off the weekend, and a game where Throughout the game, Houston have a, a massive. You know, I'm, I'm not big for the, the win percentages in terms of during the games for the win probability, but it's kind of, you know, 89, 90, 91, you know, into the fourth quarter. All of a sudden, then it, it tails off, and we have a situation where it's 97.3 in favor of the Indianapolis Colts, and that is with 58 seconds left in the game. So as the game progressed in the fourth quarter, we have a situation where the, the Houston Texans get a win early, or a, they get up early. They have the number one seed before the game. If they win, they're going to lose that number one seed to the Chicago Bears, who lost to the Minnesota Vikings. The Colts get back into it in the second half in a situation where you think, yeah, maybe the, the Texans are going to just sit back here a little bit. But on that drive to take the lead, Sean, they have a fourth and 12 that goes to Branton Cooks for 30 yards. And the, the play to get them ahead in this game is a fourth and 20 from the Indianapolis 28th which goes through the defensive back's hands to the tight end for a touchdown. Then they go for a two point conversion. They complete the two point conversion (laughs) to win the game. Uh, There's 50 seconds left, but uh, the Colts do not get the job done there. Then after this, Lovie Smith is out of a job with the the Houston Texans. And it feels like they may have had a conversation during the week that, you know, Lovie, you're not going to be back next season. And he kind of felt like, well, I'm going to show you, I'm going to take this uh, number one overall pick away from you. So, how did you feel it, how, how did you feel as this unfolded, Sean? This uh, this was baffling to me. And, and, and as a result, the Bears now have the, the 101, and I'm sure there'll be question marks around what they're going to do with it and, and with Justin Fields being the quarterback and so on moving forward. But just a, a bizarre turn of events here in, in Week 18.
2: It really is. And all the way through, obviously you expect that the Texans are thinking, in terms of that final drive, that they're not going to win and you know what, what's the harm in playing fast and loose throwing the ball up there seeing what happens i mean in the end the harm is obviously that now you've lost the leverage on this top pick and that, that could be extremely detrimental we've seen how one versus two that could be franchise you know, defining you know that could set the,
1: like the one versus the two the leverage that it gives you for what you may be able to do in terms of picks that you get you no, know, we've seen recently where the Dolphins have done quite well out of some of these trades. You know, with the, a few years ago, the 49ers traded up for Lance and gave up quite a haul. So the leverage is the main thing that you touched on there is from pick one to pick two, people are going to want to try and get to that top pick. And uh, the other part of it is, is if you end up getting an extra first rounder or an extra couple of second rounders along with that, that, that can turn the franchise around in terms of being good in two to three years versus. Trying to be good in 10 years' time.
2: And all you have to do is look at Peyton Manning versus Ryan Leaf, look at Trevor Lawrence versus Zach Wilson. I mean, Zach Wilson obviously should not have gone number two. And so, partly what you're going to do if you have that second pick is don't blow it. But I mean, again, that's easier said than done. Now, this draft, I don't think at this moment has a clear top pick. And I think that sometimes when that's the case, it's easier to play these games in week 18 where you're not focusing on that as much. The strange thing is that after a season where we heard that the quarterbacks are awful, and then obviously in week 18, you get pretty strong performances from Desmond Ritter and Sam Howell, I, it would not be surprising if it still turns out that those guys, and especially Howell, are similar caliber quarterbacks to the guys who go in the top 10 picks this year. There are players who are arguably less proven, who are in the mix according to some of the draft pundits. There are probably two guys who are at the top for fantasy, but even then, if you look at reality mocks, it's not clear that those will be the two guys who go. I think that they will be. I mean, I think when it all works itself out, that it's going to be those two players. And it may be that the Texans prefer the player who is in the second spot. But when you have the overall number one pick, you don't have to worry about that. You can trade down if it makes sense, if you're targeting actually the third guy for some reason. And, you know, the third guy sometimes turns out to be the guy. It's not like it's always the top players. I mean, you think about Patrick Mahomes, you think about Deshaun Watson, obviously they were not the top drafted quarterback in that particular draft, went more in a range where you could have moved down and made that selection. They're still going to be fine from that point. I mean, you can move down from number two, but I mean, you lose an absolute ton by not having that pick. And... I mean, it's interesting here, because you know that the Colts are also in a situation where they have incentive to lose the game to have a a late game dynamic play out this way where both teams have incentive to lose and yet they're both frantically trying for the victory to the point where you get the two point conversion at the end. I mean, you could argue that going for two at the end is the best way to lose the game, but obviously they executed it. So, that part of it is nice to see. It's nice to see two teams where their incentive is to lose, fight for it when you have some of these teams that are in the middle or even in the playoffs tanking the game. That part removes a little bit of the enjoyment. But Colin, we had a variety of games here where a team that had nothing to gain played a team that needed to win down the stretch. You have the game with the Jaguars and the Titans where the Jaguars are going to be heavy favorites there at home and with the Titans starting Joshua Dobbs. And yet, the Titans had that game. If not for a fluky play at the end, they would have won in advance. The Jaguars would be looking forward to another season. But the one that, you know, as a Lions fan, and we talked about this obviously on the previous show, but that Rams-Seahawks game, the Lions deserved to be in the playoffs. The Lions were playing the best of these teams at the end. And We've talked about the officiating on several occasions this year, Colin. We don't want to make it a deal where every time that what we want to have happen doesn't happen, that we're frustrated. But the end of the Seahawks game was bizarre because you have the Rams called for a phantom running into the kicker penalty that extended the key drive for the Seahawks. And then you have two flagrant, and we're not talking about like borderline types of things. We're talking about two flagrant unsportsmanlike conduct penalties that were not called on the Seahawks, both of which dramatically influenced playoff position, both of which dramatically influenced field position at a critical moment in the game. The officials get bailed out the first time because Myers misses the kick the second time. They do not. This is when I was kind of joking with friends as was going along. We've all had that situation where you're playing college intramurals and the team you're playing against is having the game officiated by their buddies. And you're like, well, I mean, Things aren't going to go our way in this particular contest. You don't want NFL games to feel like they're being officiated by Seahawks fans. The other part of this is that a big congratulation to GDL Smith. He didn't play a great game, but he competed all the way down to the end. Congratulations, I guess, to the Seahawks organization for having the foresight to move Russell Wilson. We thought that was a great trade, even though we didn't think it was going to work out remotely to this extent for them. But I was baffled at how undisciplined this team is the number of things that they did to try and lose this game where the players just simply seem to care way more about themselves than about the team actually winning. They're, they're good and bad things about P. Carroll's style. And you want your players to play loose. You want them to play aggressively. You want them to have fun. You want them to feel empowered to make some of their own decisions and to go out there and be their true version of themselves. And yet, A little bit of composure, a little bit less selfishness. And the Seahawks wouldn't have had to deal with some of these questions about how the officials gifted them this victory.
1: Yeah. And that kind of takes me to the next team. So we'll try and link some of this into the playoff related stuff. But they now, because of the result in the Packers game, which you talked about earlier, they face off against the number two seed, which is the San Francisco 49ers in San Francisco. The 49ers this week win 38 to 13 against the Cardinals. As we record this, the news coming out to Cliff Kingsbury has been relieved of his duties in arizona so we'll see what happens with their coaching staff over the coming weeks and months but sean this game starts off with your guy a.j green with a 77 yard touchdown i i didn't know what year we were watching i didn't know if it was a highlight clip i didn't know what was going on but uh after that the 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 49ers kind of said well that's enough of that and they decided to romp straight through this the question i have for you is is there a chance that we see the Seahawks upset the 49ers and move through here? I think it's very hard to see that. Another game here as well for Brock Purdy, 15-20, 178 passing yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions. He continues to look fantastic. And his starts, they have gone 6-0, and and I know that's not down to him specifically, but when you have Christian McCaffrey, when you have Brandon Ayuk, George Kittle, and they do get Debo Samuel back in this game, i just think the the 49ers are, a, are in perfect possession so the two questions are can the 49ers lose to the seahawks can the seahawks beat the 49ers and then can brock purdy lead this 49ers team to a super bowl victory this year because we have been in on the 49ers but each week they continue to look better and better
2: yeah the answer to both of those questions is obviously yes the likelihood. Of them dropping a game to the seahawks is pretty low but one of the things that this weekend again reiterated is that these nfl teams are relatively close in talent the quarterback situation obviously is going to play a huge role you know can brock purdy continue the miracle run i mean i think we've seen enough to know that he is a solid rookie qb And one of the questions here would be, if it weren't for this story where he's Mr. Irrelevant and he's coming in as the third stringer and everything feels somewhat miraculous, then he'd be dealing with different questions of, okay, well, you're a rookie who's been good. Can you keep it up? Can you do it in the playoffs? And that part in and of itself would be tough. But one of the things that is an interesting contrast, and the, th- the games that you tend to think of this week as being a little bit surprising, you have Dolphins-Jets where maybe with the Dolphins-QB situation and the collapse that they're undergoing, you're expecting the Jets with Joe Flacco, who probably is a mild upgrade on their other options. The Jets have that elite defense. They've got some interesting offensive weapons. Probably expecting them to win that game, or at least for the game to be a little bit more interesting. Obviously expecting the Jaguars to win without... So much luck at the end against the Titans. You're expecting the Seahawks to win much more easily against the Rams. All of those games kind of reiterating that, I mean, these are going to be tough contests in many situations. Not all. Obviously, the 49ers hammer the Cardinals. What I do is think back a week to where they almost lose to the Las Vegas Raiders, which instead of making his first NFL start, and you think, well, I mean, the Raiders are actually a pretty good team. Stidham played well. I mean, the Raiders are kind of this opposite side of the Vikings where they're losing all of their close games. So sort of the the flip of the story, just specifically for the Raiders last year, where the Raiders won a bunch of close games, make the playoffs. They come back this year, do the opposite. But I mean, are they that different of a team? Maybe, maybe not. I mean, Josh (laughs) is probably not the coach you want to maximize the quality of your personnel. So they could be a weaker team, even with getting Devontae Adams into the mix there. And yet Raiders, pretty good, but they get annihilated by the Kansas City Chiefs after the Chiefs have been on this run where you're asking yourself, I mean, is it even a a given that they're going to win that game and clinch this controversial number one seed that they have now? Again, week to week, you're going to get some widely varying results in the NFL. I think that if the Seahawks pass defense plays as well as it has recently, if Geno Smith can have one of his best games if you can get DK Metcalf to get out there and make an impact, I mean, he's really gone away over the last month. They need a lot more from yeah. him than just, you know, trying to commit unnecessary as far as conduct penalties. <laughs> I mean, when you're like working at it and working at it and working at it, and the officials are like, we're going to look, look the other way. And you're like, well, then I haven't accomplished my objective yet. I'm going to get back there on the field and try and... You want to see him make some plays as opposed to fight with the guys defending him if he can do that, it can be a close game. But this 49ers team looks absolutely amazing to the extent where we have Elijah Mitchell gets in there for five carries and scores two touchdowns. They now have that one-two punch again at running back. Obviously, they've got the three stars in the passing game. George Kittle, I mean, it's not on huge volume necessarily, but he looks like the run-after-catch threat that he's been you know, multiple seasons ago. He looks unstoppable in the red zone. I mean, this 49ers team has to be really co-favorites in the NFC with the Philadelphia Eagles, even though they have to play that extra game because the extra game is against the Seahawks. I mean, again, we didn't think that the Jaguars were going to have so much trouble in their somewhat straightforward game. I mean, you could lose that game. That's one of the reasons why the buy is so important. But I think you have to love the 49ers. And we've been drafting them a lot in underdog drafts column we're going to have more content on underdog playoffs we're going to have content on ffpc playoffs two very unique and very different contests and i love the kind of mental gymnastics and the the puzzle that each of them represents those will be shows that we do later in the week
0: we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA member FDSC.
1: Sean, moving into a little bit of a, a rapid reaction or a rapid recap, I guess. We'll say the Eagles obviously will get that buy in the NFC. They have the positive news this week that Jalen Hurts comes back in. No, didn't have a, a great game, but a, the positive is that he is back out there, has the time to recover now. We'll See how they do post bye week. They beat the Giants 22 to 16, and not a huge amount else going on there. A game, Sean, where it had huge playoff implications, not a huge amount going on in this game either, though. It was the Dolphins 11, the Jets 6. I, I mentioned to you before recording the show, Sean, this was a tough watch. We get Joe Flacco with 149 passing yards, we get Skyler Thompson with 152, and a, a real difficult, difficult watch. If you're looking to load something up on your your Game Pass, or you have all the games recorded. Do not select this game unless you are a, a Dolphins fan, really wanting to see them win this one. Garrett Wilson though does get 17 targets for nine receptions, 89 yards. Outside of that, nothing really happening at all on, on the Jets side. So we'll see how the Dolphins do in the playoffs. But with Skylar Thompson, if he is the quarterback moving forward in these potential games, they're not going to go anywhere really going forward. Another game though, Sean, that had a huge playoff or no playoff let me do that again another game sean that had no playoff implications was the commanders and the cowboys the, the cowboys playing quite a few of their starters in this one we have dak prescott with 37 pass attempts the, the cowboys looked really really bad in this one 14 completions for dak prescott out of those 37 attempts 128 yards one touchdown one interception they struggled mightily throughout this and the news i guess sean i want to get your opinion on the opposite side is kind of how do the the cowboys bounce back in the playoffs i think that probably should be pretty straightforward for them to get you know better performance than what they had here but it is very concerning but on the other side we do get sam howell he comes in his first pass attempt in the nfl as a touchdown to terry mclaurin he goes 11 of 19 169 yards one touchdown one interception he also has five rush attempts for 35 yards and a touchdown from him terry mclaurin 74 and one touchdown off three receptions the cowboys were were atrocious here i think this this is tape they won't want to watch back but any thoughts on sam howell who i think even with the limitations that he had in this game is still a better option than carson wentz here for the for the commanders
2: yeah i just i don't understand why washington more or less tanked the end of their season because the very They had a one
1: last week. They would be in the, the playoffs ahead of
2: the Seahawks and the Packers and all that talk. I mean, it's utterly bizarre because how did everything that we expected him to do? He did have the one, you know, big rookie mistake where he throws a bad interception in the end zone. And that could have changed this game pretty dramatically. If the Cowboys had participated at any point and yet, I mean, he averages just under nine yards per attempt, despite the fact that Jahan Dotson just flagrantly dropped a beautifully thrown long pass that would have given him another 40, 50 yards. And he comes back, he hits Dotson on a long play. He hits McLaurin. I mean, both of those guys have a 30 plus yard completion in this one. I mean, they don't have a ton of receptions, but they (laughs) they both go over 70 yards because of the vertical nature of both the players and Howell. He's throwing beautiful deep balls throughout this game. He's also put in a difficult situation because they're going run, run, pass, run, run, pass, run, run, pass. So he's being forced to try and pick up these third downs to keep drives alive. And he does it magnificently. You see the legs. He rushes five times for 35 yards and a touchdown. He's both able to extend drives and he gets the red zone score. I mean, he's not going to be a Justin Fields. He's not going to be a Lamar Jackson But he can be somebody who is, I don't know if it's even necessarily a poor man's version of Jalen Hurts. I mean, the similarities between these two guys are extreme in that he's got the athleticism. He's going to be able to get some of these rushing yards that are, are more or less out there for the taking for mobile quarterbacks, especially if you have receivers that can threaten down the field. He's got his McLaurin and Dotson as obviously... Hertz has Brown and Devontae Smith, and he's got that big arm. He's got the vertical accuracy. Those are the two components that you really want to see from a quarterback in the contemporary NFL. I mean, you talk about, well, I mean, what are the weaknesses here? Is he going to be able to execute a true NFL offense the way the coaches want? He's not extremely tall, and yet it, it really distracts you from thinking about what's working now, what do offenses need in the current landscape versus things they might have needed five years ago, 10 years ago, 20 years ago? It doesn't mean he's necessarily going to succeed. It doesn't necessarily mean he's even going to get that many more career starts. We don't know what the future holds for him from that perspective. And yet, he's the perfect quarterback in terms of the template that is successful now in the NFL. He showed a lot of composure on a variety of these passes you just hope that he gets a real chance either with the commanders or somewhere else. Again, it's hard to see how he could have had a more perfect initial game on the other side of that. When the Cowboys don't do anything, Dak Prescott looks awful in a variety of ways. The commanders are able to wipe out both Tony Pollard and Ezekiel Elliott who carries eight times for 10 yards. They're able to limit CD lamb who does still catch a touchdown, But the rest of these guys don't factor into the game at all. The Cowboys are a little bit of a a mystery to me, colleagues. Every time that I really focus on them, they look awful. And we know coming into the game, they've been hot. They've been one of the highest scoring teams in the NFL. You've got Tony Pollard having a magical season. You have Stevie Lamb establishing himself in that top echelon of wide receivers. I think you're going to have them come out and look very different in the playoffs against Tampa Bay. But when you think about the possibilities for playoff contests, it's not a no-brainer that they win. Guys like Chris Godwin and Mike Evans are very interesting on the Tampa Bay side of it. And I think that this game injects more uncertainty, especially because the Tampa Bay players are fun fantasy options. And because Tom Brady is on the other side of that, the Cowboys are probably the best sort of sleeper team or more accurately probably contrarian team as you play these different playoff contests and yet if you're if you've been kind of emphasizing them as a contrarian play over the last two or three weeks this game is very disconcerting
1: yeah it it wasn't good there wasn't a lot getting going but we'll see what happens but you mentioned the buccaneers buccaneers kind of played a little bit of this game took their players out rested them smart decision from their side we have Tom Brady just threw 17 passes. I thought Desmond Ritter looked good this week, threw it 30 times, 19 completions, 224 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. Tidre Algier continues to look very good, 24 attempts, 135 yards on the ground for him, a long of 28. And then Drake London had eight targets, six receptions, 120 yards. So it may just be what's happening at the end of the season, but we are seeing flashes from Drake London, which we would hope to see continue to progress into the 2023 season. Sean, I mentioned their teams, you know, kind of playing smart, taking their starters out. The Cowboys didn't do that to quite late. The other team that didn't do it to quite late was the Chargers. They were locked into their seeding, hadn't really anything to play for. They lose then and they end up to the Denver Broncos in a game which Mike Williams picks up an injury, Joey Bosa picks up an injury. We'll see what happens with the news coming out on them. But, you know, Keenan Allen gets two touchdowns, 100 yards, eight receptions in this one what are we doing at this point? We, we kind of talked about the other side of things with how the Texans finished their game, but what was your thoughts here on watching how the Chargers played this out and then kind of going as bad as they could with them picking up a loss and also picking up some injuries that could be key because they play on Saturday this week as well.
2: Yeah, that's a tough one. This wasn't the game that I was that focused on because there were more interesting ones going on at the same time. And I haven't caught up on everything from this one. And yet, as I was watching that Cowboys game, as soon as it became clear that, and you could argue that these things happen pretty close in time to each other, but as soon as it becomes clear that the Eagles are going to win, then you want to pull your guys from that game, especially as they're getting humiliated by the commanders. Once you have that Bengals-Ravens result, and it no longer matters for the Chargers, it's tough because, especially someone like a Mike Williams, you could argue needs some practice in a game situation with Justin Herbert there to, I mean, not necessarily to build the rapport. These guys have been together for a long time, but he has not had the dynamic season, even when healthy, the people were hoping for from him this year, for them to be a true Super Bowl contender. And we talk a little bit about the Cowboys as being the perfect contrarian pick on the NFC side and how. Sunday's performance, you know, raises questions about, you know, if you even want to go that route for your contrarian plays, the Chargers were probably that team on the AFC side. And especially after you watch the Jaguars look really, I mean, they were just so disappointing against the Titans. You consider the Titans past defense has struggled so much over the last month, month and a half. And Trevor Lawrence who had been on fire, not able to carry his team to the playoffs Instead, they get the strip sack and the scoop and score that allows them to get there. He's then going to go into the playoffs. Maybe you're you're looser actually in the playoffs than playing to get into the playoffs. But coming off of that bad game, this situation here, Jaguars Chargers, those are the guys that you're looking to target one side of that game or the other on your different teams. The right picks there could determine could either create the leverage for you or simply could create the advancement for you that allows you to do what you want later, even though people are not really expecting the Jaguars or the Chargers to factor into the conference title game. But a team that wins in the first round is then going to get points in the second round in a potentially high-scoring game. And so from that perspective, I mean, these were the teams you're looking at. Now both the Jaguars and the Chargers, similar to the Cowboys, have raised enough questions now partly we know again that the nfl is going to fluctuate very wildly week to week in terms of some of these results and the people who are the most successful in fantasy are able to manage those swings and to kind of bet in the opposite direction especially when the underlying trends are still positive and so i mean i'm still very much looking forward to jaguars chargers but i'm sure the chargers are questioning some of their decisions as they wake up on monday
1: yeah certainly and i'll not uh, chargers game on the positive side Latavius Murray was somebody who surprised me a lot this season he goes 15 for 103 and one touchdown so he's had a a really nice career in the NFL I guess that's what we'll leave it at because uh, but he's had a a fantastic run this season I have to say Uh, obviously we hope Javante Williams is back for 2023 but I I do think there's a strong chance that he is with the Denver Broncos as the second option there Jerry Judy 154 yards on five receptions for him another nice kind of end of the season um from what has been a difficult year for him and the broncos and and russell wilson throwing three touchdowns in this one sean the final game to touch on is the bills and the patriots and obviously there was a situation for the the patriots to get in but they do not win this game and naheem Hines, who is a, a trade deadline acquisition for the buffalo bills has two return touchdowns in this looks electric on on those plays and uh, the first play of the game actually being one of those returns and obviously with everything that happened with buffalo and demar hamlin over the last week um you know the bills come out here they get to win 13 and three to finish out the season stefan Diggs has seven for 104 and a touchdown a really nice touchdown grab sean one of the most exciting things i was about all weekend was seeing john brown getting the end zone uh smoky brown was back one for 42 and a touchdown on one target Uh, for John Brown as well in this Buffalo game any notes to take away from it outside of the the Bills looking pretty good a bad interception thrown by Josh Allen this game but uh, he looked looked really good out of that
2: yeah this was the game where I thought that we could see a result more similar to some of the results that we actually did get where teams you thought were going to win easily struggled I thought that this was a great chance for the Patriots Obviously, from a human perspective, I don't think it would have surprised any of us if the Bills were unsettled. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean they would play poorly or they would play or they would be flat. But. Despite the fantastic news, and again, I mean, that's the best thing that's come out of the NFL in the last week is just the recovery of recovery of Damar Hamlin. uh, This is going to be a tough game for them. And you saw that on occasion, like, as you mentioned, the Josh Allen interception was about the worst pick you're going to ever see thrown by a superstar. I mean, these things happen in NFL games all the time, but you don't expect it to happen from a Josh Allen. It was in the midst of this epic streak where he had not thrown an interception against the Patriots for <laughs> some obscene number of consecutive passes, I think in the 190s. It ends on a bad pick, and yet in no way, shape, or form does he let that stop him. You mentioned Stephon Diggs. He goes 7 one and one has that 49-yard touchdown. Diggs, an emotional player playing big. There was that talk of, well, you know, what is the Hines acquisition going to do for Cook or Singletary? And the main thing that we found is that those guys are going to continue to split work in a way that makes it difficult to play them regardless. But Hines is the guy that they want to help add another dimension to the team. I mean, good teams are constantly trying to add little pieces that could help at a moment where it makes all the difference. This was the storybook beginning, returns the opening kick for a touchdown. The Patriots come back and actually then do more or less control the first half. But when you're the weaker team, when you're the less explosive team, when you're playing a team like the Buffalo Bills and you're going to need to be perfect, the last thing that can happen is to start the game by giving up that score I did like Mac Jones' competitiveness. He throws 40 times. He throws the three touchdowns. You have a big game from Devontae Parker, who... I mean, Devontae Parker is, you know, six or seven years earlier in his sort of trajectory than A.J. Green. Every time that you think, well, he has absolutely zero value, and you look at different dynasty waiver wires, and unless you have a deep league, I mean, Devontae is going to be out there. And yeah, in this one, six receptions, 79 yards, two touchdowns, I think... The most disappointing thing in this game is that with Parker back and very involved, you have Tyquan Thornton, who really seems like the future of this passing game. For him, just to have the two targets, not necessarily even play a lot. Kendrick Bourne back and involved. Uh, you just don't want to see Parker and Bourne be the guys who have 12 of the targets here. Obviously, Hunter Henry seven, Jacoby Myers seven, Stevenson six. A, a very balanced attack. But to not have Thornton, especially after last week, at least gave us some mildly positive glimpses. I think that is disappointing going into the offseason. Clearly the thing that you're doing as a Patriots team is you're trying to win this game. You think you can win. You control your own destiny. So if you do win, you don't have to rely on somebody else. And yet for it to go like this in the end, they they fight back multiple times. They create a competitive game. But in the end, the Bills are just too good. and that's just the way this situation is for the Patriots right now, is the Bills are too good. Chiefs, Bills, Bengals. I mean, those would still be my top three teams, even with how strong the Eagles and the 49ers look on that side. It's one of the reasons that the NFL's decisions about how they would play the playoffs on the AFC side so controversial because you have two of the teams obviously involved in the game that gets canceled. And then you have the Chiefs benefiting, you have the Bengals really getting the short end of the stick. Hopefully, I mean, what we're going to see here is the AFC playoffs are going to be fantastic. The teams are going to have their chances. The Bengals have another shot here to write their version of the storybook finish by coming through this difficult run. The Bills will have their shot to ascend and become the power team in football. The Chiefs have a little bit of a chance at redemption after the last four years where they make it to two Super Bowls. They win one. Obviously, they've got a clean path to get back. Colin the playoffs are going to be absolutely fantastic
1: yeah even those three teams that you mentioned you know you have the Bills who haven't got there yet you have you mentioned the way that the Chiefs have won one lost one you have the Bengals who lost last year so there's just so much and the other thing about them is they're you know young quarterbacks and young teams who are ascending you would still have to imagine based on how they've been built and even with the Chiefs you know retooling with Tyreek Hill moving on and taking on the kind of combination of wide receivers I, I think it's uh, gonna be gonna be really intriguing. Obviously, this weekend is always a fun weekend, but adding in the extra two teams, I think, as well, does you know kind of lower the quality maybe of those final teams. But I think when we get to next weekend, I think it's gonna be spectacular. But I'm excited for the the playoffs of this week as well to see how it all starts to to filter out. And of course, with only one team from each conference on the bye. It makes it even more intriguing. Sean, there was lots of storylines going into week 18 of the NFL season, but I think the biggest might have been sent to me on Twitter by Chandler Wagner. Chandler has sent in questions in the past, but this one was related to Pat Crane's BBM3 win. So again, we didn't talk about this. We talked about potentially winning it, we didn't talk about it at the end of last week. The the last show we did was before the finalization of what was going to happen with some of these tournaments. So congratulations to Pat on his BBM three win, but it was, maybe this is a big enough accomplishment to get Sean to log into Twitter so he can hit that congratulatory tweet for Pat Corrine. Now, this was sent three days ago, Sean, and we have yet to see Sean log into Twitter and send that tweet. So I'm assuming that that's gonna be a no. Well,
2: I, it didn't occur to me until you mentioned to me right before the show here. Yeah, I, I mean, for me- We're Twitter always wondering a, what's it's not, it's the, it's not the what place, is the big the thing what's the big well thing there's no show? big thing that's that's the that's the deal there's no Spoiler big thing. last year column <laughs> i mean you and i were a play away from winning the best ball tournament and i mean if there were going to be a moment that would have been the moment but i yeah pat's accomplishment unreal i had a chance to send him a personal note which obviously is personal and again not <laughs> not the same as twitter is that obviously. not what you're meant to put on twitter well, but... I, no, you can't. You can I mean, it, it, there are so many good ways to use Twitter. And I think that people just choose not to. Well, but people choose to use it the right way too. I mean, it's not, not being on there for me is not supposed to be an indictment of Twitter. It's a personal decision. And again, I mean, it's not, I'm not saying this doesn't like couldn't change in the future, but it's not going to change in the future. I mean, it is emotional because to have watched Pat develop and I say develop, I mean, Pat was brilliant from the beginning and I, I mean, we still reference some of his earliest work because it's still relevant and awesome. Obviously he's done lots of fantastic stuff in the interim. I've obviously tried to communicate to him how excited I am for him. I mean... Everybody's excited for him because Pat's a cool guy. I mean, there are so many people. No, there aren't. There aren't. I was gonna say there are. There are a lot of people where if they won, people would mostly be frustrated because they don't care for him. That's also not true. The vast majority of people out there are awesome, and if someone in the community won, we would have been excited for them in the way that we're excited for Pat. If if one of our listeners had won, we would have been excited. If somebody else's listener had won, we would have been excited. I mean. It's a a great story, regardless of how you look at it. But specifically with Pat, it's a great story because he's so good. And he's also one of the coolest people. We did really a pretty significant segment on that in our last Stealing Bananas. Again, because Ben and I also just absolutely love Pat. So, yeah, it's so cool. We wish, I mean, obviously everybody and uh, no one more than Pat himself wish that it had happened in a different way but very deserved fantastic story and not through twitter but through several other venues <laughs> i've made that point because it's it's a key point pat is, pat is the best yeah no it's, uh,
1: and you mentioned that I, I think to see such unilateral support for somebody winning is fantastic and i think pat uh, is well deserving of both winning it and the support and the, the congratulations for doing so so once again shout out to him the only pressure is now he has to, to try and repeat you know the guys over there at the the ff go bills have put a lot of pressure onto people to uh repeat and you know they're potentially talking about a a tree uh, if they can you know <laughs> win again over at the ffpc an amazing accomplishment from them as well Sean, that's going to do it for our first show off of the week. You teased it earlier, we'll have some playoff contest related content coming over the next few days. So make sure you are subscribed to the RotoViz Overtime podcast feed to get those shows once they are available. You can also sign up to rotoviz.com. You have two options now for discounts. The one month one will be running out shortly, but for 10% off a one month subscription, it's RV Radio 2022. For 10% off a one-year subscription is rv radio 2023 at checkout Get you access to all of the content and tools up on rotavis.com so check that out until we are back though my name is colin kelly you can follow me on twitter at overtime ireland and of course check out sean's work up on rotavis.com he has mentioned that he he won't be on twitter over the foreseeable future but until then have a good one